31 words which support the deepest values and freedom that the American flag represents are spoken while facing the flag, hand over the heart, as a pledge of Americans' loyalty to the land they call home. This is what we did as kids in school, standing, eyes on the flag, hand over our heart, reciting these words. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But what do we do when these words fail to meet reality? What do we do when these words are no longer echoed in the same courts where the American flag hangs? What is the response of Christians when liberty and justice aren't for all? Welcome to Everyday Elephants. Let's talk about justice. Let's like talk about you and me first. I want to talk about you. Ted, how you doing, bud? Oh, this has been a week. Home ownership is uh, a bear. Yeah, say more. What, what's going so on? What's happening? We're uh, we're putting in new floors downstairs, which means we've been doing demolition of the old floors for the past uh, three weeks. And let me tell you, when they put floors down, they don't often do it with the intention of those floors then one day being removed. And so we had some kind of like sheet vinyl linoleum that just was like, just sit and scrape it for hours and then I took up it was a very small area of tile but it took me about six hours longer than I had hoped it would and I also one made the mistake once of wearing shorts while I was doing it and I sat down to get a little bit closer into to an area and just sliced myself open on a piece of tile Oof. that was sitting there so it's been a fun week. Do you do you remember when you guys first bought your house and people would congratulate you? Why? Like I don't. This is not like I, if anything, I should say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like because now it's just nothing but broken projects after broken projects with frustration upon frustration. I don't know. Feel sorry for me. Don't congratulate me. Or maybe they're congratulating you because hopefully you're going to make some money off that home one day. I mean that's kind of nice i like that phil phil zooms right past the family memories you could make the uh place of rest the blessing that it is to own your own home and phil is straight to (laughs) capitalism uh yeah we are gonna turn this into so much more but i kind of like that i need people like that in my life to remind me that hey this is actually an investment and a place where you can rest and a way to remind me that i'm the worst Thanks. You're not it's a the good worst. start to the show. That's yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say the worst, but like, you know, if the shoe fits. See, I was thinking I was a little bit more optimistic. I was, you know, thinking of like the long game, like the the greater outcomes that are gonna be there. But yet, you're a poet, and you're going into, I don't know, depression, and you know, I, I don't know. It's just like I, I was How's trying he to be like get more poems if he doesn't have depression. Right. Yeah. Go check out Rin to Speak. This is a really great y'all, start to our podcast. Y'all are joking, but honestly, like I can't necessarily disagree with you. If things were if things were always good, I don't know if I'd have anything to write about. I need a little bit of hardship in order to muster up some poetry. Anyways, let's get into this, shall we? Let's do it. First of all, this podcast is out of my comfort zone, which my comfort zone is the sweatpants, being in sweatpants and sitting on a couch. But it's pushing me to think about things in a way that I haven't thought about them before, but also to try to think about them from different perspectives and livelihoods. And I think what we've said on a lot of the episodes so far is 
it's just the three of us. We don't have a guest. It's three white guys sitting on a microphone trying to figure things out. And today we're talking about justice. And I think people might listen to this and be like, well, you need to have somebody of color on. You might need to have a woman on. You should have a lawyer or a judge or a police officer on. And that's just, that's not what this podcast is. But hopefully what this podcast can be is it can kind of show you just maybe a maybe to inch a little bit into these kind of conversations that you can have with the people around you and to see that just like you, we don't know it all. So anyways, with that, let's talk about justice. In the recent weeks, we've seen our timelines flood with stories featuring Kyle Rittenhouse and Ahmaud Aubrey. This week, the world is listening to the Gislin Maxwell sex trafficking trial case. And in the past year, our world has watched as we've heard verdicts in the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. This is just a shadow of a long list of names that have caught our attention and shaped the futures of communities, lives, and families. No matter where you stand or sit or shout, justice is an elephant in the room. Like love, we all seem to define and interact with this world word just a little bit differently. So guys, <laughs> what do you think about this whole topic, this elephant in the room of justice? My first thought is, this is how we go down and we could possibly get canceled just because this is this is a hard subject to talk about. And I'm, I'm a little nervous. Um, there is a lot of noise out there. Everyone's talking about different trials. I think it's easy to break down some of the things that we're seeing that are different from the different verdicts that we've seen and how those cases have been handled. Ted, I think you brought up some good points. Uh, we had some good conversations prior to starting recording of uh, the different things that we've seen from these different cases so far. But I don't know. Ted, what are your thoughts first? Um, it's interesting as we were getting ready and I was working on some things for the floor last night, a buddy of mine came over who's a lawyer and I mentioned to him, this is what we were doing. And he said, one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is, you know, we talk about police reform. We talk about a lot of the justice side that we see kind of enforcement and how that needs to be worked on. But he said sometimes that gets overemphasized to the point of people are missing out, like what's happening in courtrooms with lawyers, with judges, with all of those things. And I think for me, as we look at the topic of justice, you know, the high profile cases that Tanner just rattled off, I think that we can see that justice is going to be a topic in our country forever. Like it's those trials, those cases have dominated news for a month now. Totally. And I, I think this is actually a great transition from the previous episode where we're talking about misinformation, information. Now we are talking about justice. And the hope is within these trials, the right information is presented, which means the right verdict is potentially done properly. Now, I wouldn't say that's always the case. I, I think we, we've seen stuff that's happened in the past. and But the hope is that we live in a system where purest and right decision has been made. So that way it doesn't become so opinionated. And we say, here are the facts, here's the decision, and these are going to be the outcomes from here on out. One of the things when I think about what's happening now with all these, you know, 
trials that we see that are viewed and played and shared over and over again and talked about as it has become more of a like form of entertainment, right? Like something that this group of people can say, we were right about this, or this is our person, we're standing with this person, or this happened to us, or, you know, there's this noise about it that creates this some sort of like form of entertainment that other people can use to, like we talked about with, you know, news stations where we can make a group of people angry, we can make a group of people happy, but no matter what, we're going to make money off of it. So we can ramp up these stories, big, small, whatever, to create new jobs, to create a deeper pocket. I, I mean, it's it's all, I don't know, it's, it's hard to talk about and it's hard to find like a, a place to kind of begin with, with all of this. But I think, Phil, you kind of jotted this question for us uh, asking, is our justice system broken? Which I think is a Good question. I think it's a hard question. It's a question we probably don't have an answer for. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, yes, because I think there have been cases where the verdict was incorrect. There have been people that have been sentenced, potentially, that might have been innocent. But I think what's also really interesting when we're going with that question is the justice system broken. One thing that really popped me was the, the Rittenhouse case was live streamed right? Mm -hmm. Every day. The fact that it was live streamed, the Rittenhouse case the whole time brought in so much more commentary. You had people that were live streaming the case, giving their live reactions. You had athletes like LeBron James commenting when Rittenhouse was on the case of his fake tears. And then people are signed with LeBron James. And then people are also trolling LeBron James like, hey, look, when you're crying, it was just it became like a cluster of people (laughs) at war with one another. In some cases, like, well, that doesn't help the justice system, but also does it help the justice system? Because everyone had the opportunity to actually listen to the case and also hear it for himself rather than hearing reporters um, give the, the updates of what happened with day one of the trial or in whatever some, the day was. In some ways, I, I get the, like, the populist idea that says, hey, anyone can watch this. But like people were like Twitch streaming it. And I was like, now there's a lot of things on the internet that people live stream that I'm like, I just don't care. Like, why do we are you need live to do streaming, this? like eating lunch, you know, whatever. I would tune into that for you, Ted. <laughs> yeah, I'm tuning in. If it's Torchy's Tacos, like, I'm going to watch you eat that and salvage. What sauce is he picking screen. today? God, this, I swear, this podcast started off with <laughs> Everyday Elephants and now it's become this. I understand the ability for us to say, we can do this, but your question was good, Phil. Is that is it good for us to to open up that ability or not? And in some ways, it is good. You get firsthand knowledge, right? You can go look it up. But in some ways, like you get the court of public opinion having a voice, and and, and now court cases instead of being carriages of justice are they're sports games i'm gonna cheer for my team i want my team to win and so i'm gonna keep moving forward and cheering for those things and i saw it there was a group live streaming it and there's this this moment that i think was on a lot of different news and i didn't watch the live stream i saw a video of someone you know had posted it but it's like four people who are commentating this trial on twitch and something happens where the prosecution, this is the Rittenhouse case, the prosecution, one of their witnesses says something that opens up something in favor of the defense of Rittenhouse. 
and they start cheering on the live stream. And to me, it was this weird disconnect of being like, when justice becomes a spectator sport, I just get worried for where we are. Because when you go to a sports game, there is obvious bias, right? When I go to an Astros game, there's bias. You know, when Tanner, when you go to a Magic game, Phil, when you go to a Cubs game, like there is bias. There's no bias at an Orlando Magic game. It's just people wasting time. Ain't nobody (laughs) cheering for us. Hey, it's better to go to Disney World but, afterwards. You know, when it's sure. your team, there there is an amount of bias. You want them to win. You want those things. And again, last night when I was talking with my buddy about this, he said, you know, what you have to remember is the history of our justice system is that it used to be the king would appoint judges and judges would just give a verdict. And so we said, you know, when we started our own country, we said, well, we're going to make it more fair. We're going to make it. Um, you know, a jury of your peers. But even as you look at that, the goal is not justice. The goal is to convince 12 people what the law is, right? And now the goal of justice can fall into that, right? But, I mean, you're trying to convince these people in this courtroom of what you want. Does that mean trying to influence the outcome? Right. Right. And we see that and we see that all over the place. We see that with ads. We see that with social media. There's people who are just trying to influence the outcome of the decision mm-hmm. of another person, even if it's right or wrong. Like no, they don't care about it being right or wrong. They care about being right. Not about not about and this I you can't I can't speak for everybody. Like the question is our justice system broken? I think there are bits and pieces of it that are broken. And it's like, if we want to bring up sports again, it's like, well, we would have had a really great team if we didn't have this player or this player or this weak link, right? The outcome of the season would have looked different if we had different people in different positions. So I think with our justice system, and you, this is what you were saying before the podcast, man, as you talked with your friend who's a lawyer, uh, talking about like different, different judges and how their decision really plays a huge effect into the outcome, right? And, you know, you look at the Rittenhouse case, you look at Arbery's case, And the judges were, and I won't even say politically, just how they acted appeared to be very different. And I don't, what I don't want to get into is like, let's now legislate on here, or legislate, like, let's have our discussions on Rittenhouse, let's have our discussions on Arbery. Like, we're talking justice. And it's just mind-blowing how, in my mind, when I think of a judge, it is almost this monolithic you're a judge, this is what you do, and they're like, you know, the same cookie-cutter person. But as I watched a little bit of the news on the two cases, you could tell there were two very different things going on, and you realize, okay, this is just like anything else. It's humanity. Like, people are going to lean one way or the other. They're going to act differently. And, you know, you look at our justice system, and you have the outrageous things of litigious people who sue over everything. And you go, you know, you stumbled off my curb, now you're suing me. Or like what I've heard about that I didn't realize is car wrecks. A lot of times people are encouraged, the person who caused the wreck is encouraged to sue the person they hit for like emotional and physical, you know, restitution. And you just go, yeah, but that was your fault. Well, yeah, but I need you to pay me 
half a million dollars. It's almost as if like you just have to know about the right loophole in order to, and, and the same, this happens with like, I remember when I was doing my taxes last year, this guy, the, my accountant was like, well, you just got to do this, 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 and this, and you'll be good to go. And I was like, can we do that? And he goes, oh yeah, that's, it's easy. You just do that. I'm like, okay. That, I mean, that's great. Like it saves me a lot of money and it's, and apparently it's okay, but you have to know about it in order to do that. And I think like kind of what you're saying, like a car accident, it's like, that, that was your fault, man. Like you ran into the person that was on you. And so now you're going to turn around and do this instead. I, I used to think, and this is something that happens as you get older, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, but the way that I used to see things, I thought that they were simple, which is black and white. But now that as you look at things, it's like, yeah, they could be, but there's also a way around it. There's a way through it. And with some of these cases, I found myself getting a little frustrated with me thinking, let's talk about the Rittenhouse case. Based on what I saw, I thought, wow, that kid is guilty of what he did. But then he was found not guilty. And I was left wondering, and I don't know, I don't know how you guys felt about it. Based off the footage that I saw and what I heard, that seemed guilty to me. This is what's tough. Guilty of what? Like, we, we have to look at the case specifically. Yeah. Was it self-defense or not? Now, we can go in a deeper place. And Ted, you brought this up. Here's a 17-year-old boy who brings an assault rifle, shoots a gun. Mm -hmm. I'm not a gun person. Probably never will be. In fact, I mean, maybe I'm going to go deer hunting for the first time. It's on the bucket list, but that's probably the most I'll ever hold a gun. And it's going to be someone else's first, gun. All right. I am having a midlife crisis. No. Um, uh, I love them. But I, I'm just not a gun em. person. So it does not make sense to me at all why one would be there. Do I think that it could provoke other people to be more agitated and more frustrated and say stupid things towards Kyle Rittenhouse? Yeah, I think it's a real thing that happened. But if you were to look at the case, and from my perspective, when the man who was killed, um, Rosen, Rosenbaum, I think, uh, I think that's his name. There's video of him threatening Kyle Rittenhouse, saying that I will kill you, all the other words that go with it, then chases him, and you have footage of him being chased. I mean, it, it's hard to say, how can you not argue self-defense? Now, we don't know truly what's going on of Rittenhouse's mind. So mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, how do we respond as Christian? There's also another sense of judgment, you know, that's beyond the kingdom of this world where God is only going to know. And that's something I just can't answer. But really, in a trial like that, you have to be found guilty and there has to be enough evidence that can't be overturned. So I understand why. To be honest with you, I'm surprised that it actually still went to trial. Again, I'm not a guns person. I think it's also ridiculous that people are cheering over this, Ted. But they're probably cheering over it because they're like, oh, you know, that's it's a protection of us to have our guns. That's that's how I interpret it. So in some ways, I think maybe I think maybe the jury got it right. Now, I think with what happened in Georgia, I think that the jury got that right, too. And I think it's really surprising that those men actually it's not surprising. It is alarming that those men got arrested. What was it? Two months later. That, yeah. that, that's what, that's even, what's messed up. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm with you there. And so yeah, I'm not was, an expert. That one was frustrating. That one was that. That's was, hard, especially after right when all that happened, all that took place. There's a lot of push for change and all these other things that were taking place. And when that one broke out, when that one came to light, that one was that one was shocking and appalling. It does not matter what color person you are. Like that has to be like that man was hunted down and killed. Like that is awful. Uh, and when we look at that, and, and and I think one of the hard things when looking at all these different cases, it is posted and shared like it's entertainment, kind of like we mentioned. 
These are also the lives of people. And we are watching someone sitting on trial for taking the life or lives of another person. And sometimes I think that we forget that we're dealing with people's lives here. And, yep. you know, we are in it, you know, we're treating these people guilty, not guilty, terribly. And that's a different side of justice that I... And, and we're never going to know some of those things too, the true motives. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I think justice, what it, one of the things it seeks to do is it tries to get to the heart of the situation. And it's really hard to get to the heart of these situations and the heart of the people who were sitting, sitting on the seat. Yep. I think part of the broader discussion that we have to have is there's a difference between justice and vengeance. Justice seeks the truth, seeks those things. Vengeance says, well, that doesn't matter. You know, I want my revenge, earthly vengeance. And to me, part of the struggle is like the cultural things that are happening around it as these things happen. Because, you know, you look and you go, well, what would this be like if we didn't have video footage, if we didn't have investigators who dug deeper, if we didn't have those kinds of things? But also what concerns me is almost this like nostalgia to the Wild West, that it's like, I got to carry my gun. I got to have guns on me because something's going to go wrong. And what concerns me on some deeper levels in the Rittenhouse case, in the Arbery case, is that in our country, we are at a point where we say, I need to bring my own weapon because something could go wrong. In terms of, you know, you look in the Rittenhouse case, both sides are armed. This isn't just a Second Amendment versus, you know, gun control argument. There's something even deeper there that we're not dealing with. I think it is more of a cultural thing that then, you know, by the time something hits the courts, the bad thing has already happened. Yeah. And here's the deal, too, is we have courts and the justice are now becoming the more powerful people because the legislators can't make laws happen. Right. And we're seeing that right now. The people that are appointed, let's say the Supreme Court, and I don't know if you've been paying attention, but there is now Roe v. Wade going to be brought up to the Supreme Court with what's happening in Mississippi based upon a case that's happened, which could really change the direction of pro-life, pro-choice movement of what states can regulate. And it's because we have legislators that can't really come to make clear decisions. And now we're seeing men and women in the Supreme Court to make these decisions compared to a president or any other senator that are making the laws come to happen. You know, I, I saw that the mandates for the vaccines have been um, reversed in the Supreme Court. So it's, again... A lot of that power is going to our justice system. I mean, this gets into more deep stuff, but you look and you go, every branch of government is almost functioning outside of their mandates. Yeah. And part of it is as a country, as you grow, like things get pushed a little here, pushed a little there. I mean, that's, that's just part of life. But what do they call it? Activist judges. You don't want a judge who is actively seeking their side. We look at the justice system sometimes. We look at the idea of, Liberty and justice for all, again, as this monolith, but then it lives in the life of people and it becomes much more about how, well, how do you interpret it? How do you read that? How do you, and it's, there's just so much. So is our justice system broken? Sure. Cause we're human. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I would even say that like, you know, we need to get better on some things in it because you, we haven't even talked about statistics of mistrials and you know punishment 
and breakdowns and how if you have money, the things you can get away with. I mean, think about the last time a pro athlete, you know, and this doesn't, this is, you know, or a, a pro football coach or, you know, someone with money gets in trouble and it's like different standards. Yeah. It's like, here you go. Like we won't even it's talk a different system racially. Let's just talk socioeconomically it, being a baseball fan. There are a couple different players and coaches and they get busted with some hardcore drugs and they never spend a day in prison. Yep. But you know, one guy on the street smokes a joint and he's in prison for five years, you or know, 25 years. That's yeah. It's well. And, and that's the thing is like, it's, and then you could get into, you know, the statistics on racial profiling on, on minorities versus majority. And, and you could talk about those things. There is something in our justice system that, there are well, these breakdowns. And look at the Justine and, Maxwell trial that just mm-hmm. started, right? That is not being live streamed. There's no cameras that can be in there. And we're talking about one of the most high profile money cases associated with Jeffrey Epstein himself, where there's a lot of money involved going with the same thing what you're talking about. And we need to hear yeah. those facts because it could possibly lead to many other high profile people. People need to probably hear the truth on that more than a Kyle Rittenhouse case because that's insane. But yet we're not able to see those things or have cameras in there to hear the actual things that are being set. There's a difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory, right? A conspiracy theory says we're going to make up all this stuff and aliens have, you know, body snatch these people versus what I would say, if you look at Epstein, you look at Maxwell, you look at what was going on with them. It was a conspiracy. It was an attempt to keep secret by powerful people, what they were doing. Right. And as with any conspiracy, the wider the circle gets, the more easily it gets out. And so now you have some really good reporting. I watched the documentary on it. I think it was on Hulu or Netflix. I can't remember. Um, One of our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but the fascinating thing was it was not some giant news outlet. It was not the FBI. It was a detective and then a local news station. Yep. That wouldn't let it go, you know, and that was the higher you got into power, the quicker it tried to dissipate. But it was these people on the ground in Florida who, you know, we can struggle with news media and police and judges and, you know, everything we've talked about. But there is something about when good people latch on and they fight a system to say, like, listen, no, this is. This is what's happening here. I think you're right, Phil. I, I do not think that there's this huge conspiracy that like all these people are going to Epstein's Island and sacrificing children and whatever. But I do think that there is evidence that has been found that there was some kind of pedophile ring. And this is not new to people in power. Like this is this has happened across time, across history. When you get in, you know, the the phrase, yeah. you know, power corrupts. But that's where I'm just saying this, this system is broken because we can't see that. Now, I understand they could be also protecting yeah. the witnesses that want to remain their identity anonymous mm-hmm. because of that. There's ways to make sure that we don't hear their voices, see their faces. I mean, I think it's just fascinating what I'm learning so far. And I'm not an expert, but just like there's a lot of big cases that have been happening recently. And I think it might be a good thing that we are seeing some live coverage, especially if the media wants to 
make this into something bigger and a bigger story. Well, and it, it comes back to what we talked about last time with information misinformation, right? Is it perfect to live stream every case? I don't know. But it used to be you at least felt like you could trust the reporter who was in there. You know, well, in the past week we found out Chris Cuomo was using his journalism contacts of how his brother was sexually harassing people. It's funny how those two were heroes back in the day. And on the flip side, you have people just hopping on and saying whatever will help. And so you've their side of the argument. And so there's, there's to me, there is so little trust in a majority of news media now. I've been quiet for the last 10 minutes or so on this podcast, listening to you guys talk, uh, which is how uncomfortable do you feel? I feel great about it. You guys are, uh, you guys speak much better than I do. Uh, as we've heard when I tried to read everyone's name earlier. Um, I, I keep thinking about kind of the season that we're in in the world, which is the season of Advent, right? So we're waiting, waiting. And, you know, one of the things that we haven't really talked about, but we've been talking about the whole time is, you know, what is our response to all of this as, as Christians? And I think even in this, you know, like we are constantly in this season of waiting. And this morning I was thinking about, you know, the word, the word peace and how anytime we turn on the news or open Twitter, which is always dangerous to open Twitter, but it's nothing but like, you know, people are yelling and screaming and fighting and doing all this kind of stuff. And we need to hear like, you know, the good news, like that peace is on the way. Um, and so just in the season of Advent, I think, you know, everyone wants to be seen, heard, listened to, followed. And I keep coming back to, I'm just ready for all of this to be made right. And I don't know what that looks like. And sometimes it, it feels hard to say these kinds of things in the face of something that feels so present and imminent, right? Like with all these stories that are coming out. But I just keep coming back to, you know, we are in this long season of waiting, wondering, hoping for peace to find its way here. And that's what I keep coming back to as we've been talking. And I don't think that's like a cop out or an easy way out. Because I think these are good conversations that we need to have them. But in the back of my mind, I can't get away from the fact that we are moving towards something better. And I pray that better comes sooner rather than later. Well, I think it's a, a good posture for the Christian. You can't be completely consumed with everything. There has to be that balance, knowing that there's something greater and there will be peace mm -hmm. and there will be um, a new world and there, we will be in a better place. And we, we press into that with hope. I think it's good to be able to posture yourself in that rather than be consumed with the the noise that's right in front of you. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, the same you, time you still have to be in being here. You have to be informed. Yeah. And, and to go with that too, I'm not going to listen to a whole live stream of a trial because we have jobs and there's a lot of things that we're doing. But I feel like I, I have more comfort when I know that that stuff is archived or available for people to check the facts rather than people make other stories about that, even though we've seen that happen, mm -hmm. even with that case, the Rittenhouse case. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like I've been so quiet today is I, you know, I just don't know. Like I, like I don't know. And sometimes I think we need to remind each other that it's okay for us to say that we just, we don't know, or I don't know where I stand on this issue or land on all this. And I don't have all of the facts and I wasn't there. But I also know that like, even without knowing it all, we can be advocates for change and in a new hopeful direction. And I'm already, I'm already sad enough following my own favorite sports teams, let alone trying to fo follow trials, you know? So I don't know. I don't know, guys. 
Any final thoughts? We'll never be comfortable with the justice we have, but that doesn't mean we don't try and call out injustice when we see it. It doesn't mean that we don't try and do justice in front of us. And even today, I just feel like we just like scratch the surface on this with things that are alive and around us right now. There's just so much more that we could dive into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge conversation. And clearly it's ongoing because we have 24-hour news stations and they talk about this all the time. Maybe they need to start listening to Everyday Elephants. Yep. <laughs> Phil, do you have any final thoughts? Let's be slow to speak. I think it's, it's easy to hear information and already place our judgment of what is right and what is wrong. It's still wise to have some sort of system that is broken, but that could possibly be a little bit more pure based upon my own assumptions and reasoning and a system that allows people to plead their innocence and have an opportunity to you know, have a trial about that. And so when I hear those verdicts and I hear those outcomes, I may not necessarily agree with them, but I think that's also given me more perspective. So even if that verdict's wrong, I can still fight for what I see as injustice. But I think the immediate, I think all, both of these cases like that we're, we're talking about right now uh, with Ahmad and then the Rittenhouse case, there was assumptions being made. A lot of stuff. And I don't know either, Tanner. I don't know either. It's too much stuff. We were texting about this behind the scenes, BTS. We were texting about what do we want to talk about? And I was the one who said we should talk about justice, mostly because I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on it. And I think because it's a pretty, I wouldn't call it an issue, but it's just something that is we're constantly consumed by and talking about in one way or another. Like it's always sitting in the room with us. And it's always going to be part of, of the bigger conversation. I don't know. I like what you guys had to say today. I respect both of your thoughts. And I think that's kind of how these conversations need to go as we land on a place of respect. Not that we were doing a bunch of disagreeing today, but you end in a place where you can respect one another and say, I don't know either. I'm learning. Yeah. We're not perfect. We're learning. I don't know. We don't know the motives behind people. I could be just insanely wrong, but we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Everyday Elephants. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast if you want. Leave a five-star review. It's almost Christmas. We would like that little gift from you. Uh, If you have an elephant in the room that you'd like for us to discuss, send us a message. Until next time, I'm Tanner. I'm Ted. I'm Phil. And that is the end of the podcast. Boom shakalaka. Roll credits. Roll credits.